Um, so, guys, can you just uh, can you just welcome as he comes up, uh, Pastor Paul Bedford, the one and only. Cheers, Paul. Dug yourself out of a hole there nicely. Oh, isn't church weird? I, I've come to the conclusion, having been around church for a long time, that it's a really strange thing. Church is just not average. I, I, I try to work out, why do a bunch of people turn up at 10.15 every week to come to church? Um, and it, there must be a reason that draws us. And we arrive, uh, we're at church, we gather, we sing songs, we listen to somebody talking. Somebody gives a speech every week. What's that about? And I, sometimes I sit there, and this morning I sat in the worship thinking, what are we doing? What is this about? But I realize that in every other society, in every other club and connection and political party, and even this week there are things going off, there are people that gather and they sing songs and they have political speeches and sermons. And I think, so, you know, we, dare I say that the Conservative Party um, conference, like the Labour Party conference or the Liberal Party conference, are really important but they're almost a shadow of God's church gathering around the country. Where we're gathering for a purpose that is eternal, not just temporal. And we're gathering and we're sharing God's word that is eternal. Not just for a season or an election. We carry something, we hold something. And even when we're not sure what our faith is doing or where we're going or what God is speaking to us about. We carry something that is essential. And somehow we just keep getting drawn back. Has anybody ever tried to backslide and walk away from church? Oh, isn't it hard? Because somehow you feel like, oh, but this stuff matters and is real. And so I just kind of want that in my mind as we're looking at something fresh today. This is part three of the Fresh series uh, I want to have a look at. And this, this thing that is brand new, that is recent, is latest, is up-to-date, is modern, is modernistic, is ultra-modern, newfangled, more original, novel, different, innovative, unusual, uncommon, out of the ordinary, unconventional, unorthodox, upbeat, radical, revolutionary, out of the common dictionary description of being fresh because I think our faith can be and should be because God is fresh he's always saying I'm doing a new thing so this is part of that fresh series and we're looking at characters from the Bible last week we looked at King David and that he was living in a life that was serving um, that was in the presence of God and that was prepared by God for the moment that he gave him and we're going to do a similar thing but we're going to look at a guy this morning or we're going to begin with a guy called Samuel Samuel if you remember was the man that anointed David so we're looking at Samuel decades early when he was a boy, just like David had been all those decades later. But first of all, I just want to say to you, I have a mobile phone. Does anybody else here have a mobile phone? Who doesn't have a mobile phone? Put your hand up if you don't possess a mobile phone. You don't possess a mobile phone at all. Wow, that explains why you've not been replying to my text. <laughs> I was just taking it personal. I went to Romania recently. And the amazing Romanian couple on the back row. Yay! Mr. and Mrs. Hilario. I just love that you're married. I think it's really ace. <laughs> and the, as, as soon as I turned my phone on I, when I got off the plane, because what you see is that there, there are like 300 people coming down the, the step, steps of the plane, and they're all turning off of airplane mode back onto mode. And suddenly my phone pings and it pops, and I get text messages from different carriers saying, oh, you're now with... Telly something or other, or Romania this, or EE, or Orange Romania. And they were all trying to say, this is the service you're now on, and you're now reconnected. And my ringtone, when I ring out, changes when I'm in another country. I don't know how it does that, why it does that, or what I did to make it do that. It just does. 
But I still get unknown callers. Does anybody else, anybody else get those things, an unknown caller? Who answers unknown caller? Oh, I have to answer unknown caller because it's often somebody I work with, just like Megan said. And so I've got to answer it. The trouble is then, it's also, oh, it's somebody I don't want to talk to sometimes. And that's really awkward, isn't it? I've tried doing that fake um, thing where I've tried to be an answer phone and it just doesn't wash. <laughs> Communication is different. We have different ringtones on our phones. I have different ringtones when different people phone me, so I know who's phoning me. Anybody here have just their standard ringtone that came with the phone? Just a, just a ringing noise. Has anybody else put a tune onto it that's interesting and personal? Oh. <gasps> Somebody ring their phone so we know what their personal ringtone sounds like. I need to know what your personal ringtones are. Talk amongst yourselves while somebody rings me. Come on, somebody, somebody ring. You, normally you're all on speed down. Rhapsody in, Rhapsody in blue. What's that one? Shake it up. Shake it up. I'm not sing. What's that one? Happy. Wow. Oh, somebody's, some, I've just rung somebody. Is somebody ringing me? Or is, oh, oh, oh. I'm, I'm not going to let you hear mine because it's Game of Thrones because I think it sums up my life. Um, <laughs> so when people ring me, Game of Thrones starts. Was I ringing you, Andrew Wicklin, then, or were you were ringing me? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I stopped it just in time. <laughs> I have games of... We have personal calls. I can tell who's phoning me before I even pick it up because different people have different ringtones. And my phone randomly started saying when it rings, Megan Bedford is calling you. <laughs> Julie Bedford. Actually, it doesn't say Julie Bedford. I put a nickname on it and I didn't realise it would convert the nickname into... And she now says, sexy is calling you. <laughs> so I've had to change that just in case I'm in public somewhere and it gets misinterpreted. <laughs> We were just, Julie and I and, and uh, Rob and Megan were together yesterday for a little while and we were talking about communication. We were realizing communication in church has changed in the last 20 years. 20 years ago, very few people have emails. 20 years ago, lots of people didn't have uh, mobile phones. You, you either had to phone somebody up, physically see them and wait till the weekend, or send snail mail, you had to send a letter, paper, to somebody. So communication was very difficult. People in churches couldn't just go on to God Channel and watch God TV, so things are very much more manageable. So if the pastor of a church said something, that was it, the pastor of the church had said it. You couldn't then go away and compare it to what God Channel said. Okay, transport was more difficult. You couldn't go and visit another church and check out that one, see if their music is better. You couldn't listen to YouTube and watch, like, high-end Hillsong worship or Bethel or something like that and compare it with your church organist who was 83. All of that stuff didn't happen. Preachers, when they said something from the platform, didn't have a myriad of people suddenly diving onto phones and checking out what they've said is accurate on Google. But now that stuff happens. Church leadership has transformed in the last 20 years, and in the last 10 years, massively so. Yet, one thing remains. Hearing the fresh word of God is still important. For all we can communicate, for all we can pass information backwards and forwards, and we love to share information, one thing is important, the fresh word of God and responding to it. So let's have a little look at our, uh, our first slide. So I'm going to, can, can you just roll the next one on when I, when I read to the end of here, please? Because um, it's on two slides, and I'll take care of the slides after that. Uh, so this is uh, the story that some of you will be familiar with. If you don't know, I'll just give you the background. Samuel grew up to be an important prophet, but he began his life being dedicated to God, um, by um, his mother 
and he was, he was brought up in the temple, looked after by the chief priest uh, from being a small boy. He grew. And this is his story as a small boy when he first began to hear God. And in 1 Samuel 3, verse 1 to 11, this is a very, very ancient story, very, very ancient piece of writing. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. He was a chief priest. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down. When it says the lamp of God, I never know whether that meant he was about to die or whether literally the candles were nearly out. I'm not quite sure. I've, I've tried to research that, and I don't know. The, 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 and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you, go back and lie down. So I went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did, uh, did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, and Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something. See, I'm about to do something. So we've got this strange story, this story of takes place in the temple. Eli the priest was training Samuel for ministry. He would grow up to become a priest one day. Um, he was walking three times before Eli realized, that's an annoying little kid that keeps coming and saying, Dad, did you shout? No, go back to bed. And ultimately, Eli realized, there's something happening here. Something is going on. It's the Lord. The Lord is calling this small boy. So he says to him, next time, say to him, speak, for your servant is listening. And the little boy, Samuel, says, speak, your servant is listening. And God begins to speak and says, see, I'm about to do something. He reveals something into his life. He speaks into his child's life. Samuel was listening. He heard the voice of God and responded. However, three, three things are really important to get hold of here that are important for our lives. And they're relevant because they were real in the story of David last week. Samuel was ministering. That's, Samuel was serving. He was a servant in the temple. He was serving God's people. He was serving the Lord. And that's where he began, simply as a servant. But here's the, other, the, the next principle. He was serving, but he was serving in the presence of God. He was serving God in the temple for the people. So he was serving, and he was in the presence of God as he did that. And so because he was serving and in the presence of God, Samuel's circumstances prepared him for that moment when God spoke. He was being prepared. It's exactly the same as King David last week. He was serving. He was in God's presence. And that prepared him for that moment. Remember, David stood up to kill giants, to kill Goliath last week. It's the same impact, effectively. But these aren't just ancient stories from long, long ago, like some Greek myth. These have a relevance for our life today. These are about the values and principles of God that always were, are now, and always will be unchanged. This is, this is a picture of God's heart towards us. The serving person in the presence of God will be prepared for God when he says, see, I'm about to do something. And that can be true of us today. 
that we are people that can serve one another and serve the lost, serve this town. But we can serve in the presence of God. So when God is ready to do a new thing, we are prepared to respond. We can say, now, Lord. Samuel didn't just know he'd heard God's call. He didn't know that. He was simply in a place where his life was ready and his spirit was in a good place to hear. And I just want to be that person who is living a life so that when God is on the move, I'm ready to respond. I'm ready to react to it. I'm ready to get involved. I'm ready to see God move and to be a part of that action. Anybody here want to be a part of what God's doing? Yeah, yeah what's interesting is, who's here has heard of the Welsh Revival? Like 100 odd years ago, there was a massive revival in Wales and loads and loads of people came back to God and they built new chapels everywhere and there was lots of salvation and just an amazing thing. People that had never been near churches, reconnected with churches, lives were turned around, families were rebuilt, communities were transformed. What's really interesting is, in one street, in one part of the town, there'd be loads of people becoming Christians. The church would be absolutely jam-packed and God was doing all sorts of amazing things. A couple of streets away, there'd be a little church when nothing was happening. And the people were praying and saying, oh Lord, please move in our town. But they weren't prepared for when God moved and so they never saw what was happening in front of their faces. Church, we need to be people that are always serving. Always in his presence. So we're always prepared to say, now Lord, we get it, we hear it, we're ready. We must be those people because I believe, I truly believe a day is coming for our town. A day is coming for this town. God loves this town. God loves Barnsley. I don't believe that God is the one place on earth that he's not interested in or has forgotten. I don't believe there's a street in this town that he doesn't care about, that is un unwanted or is forgotten. I think God wants to do something amazing in this place. And we need to be the people, if nobody else hears the word of God, we need to be the people that are serving in his presence and prepared to respond when he speaks. Because we've just got to be that people. I don't want to miss out on God breaking out. I don't want to one day be an old man that looks back and said, if only I'd been looking the other direction, I'd have seen it happen. I want to be in the midst of it. I want my Damascus Road experience. You know, Paul, the apostle, was on Damascus Road and God spoke to him and he caught what God was saying to him. What's interesting in his story is not another person traveling with him heard the voice of God. Only he heard it. It was unique, it was specific. See, God deals specifically with us, just like he did with David that we mentioned last week, just like he did with Samuel that we've talked about this week. God deals with you specifically. But he deals with you in the context of his gathered people. God deals with us specifically no matter what we do. We are responding to our calling and we are in obedience to what God called each of us to do or not. It's simply about our freshness of our faith living. And when we serve in his presence, there can be a freshness in our lives. Irrespective of circumstances, doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter what background you are, doesn't matter what has happened in your life, doesn't matter what could be happening in your life right now, if you are serving and in the presence of God, you can be prepared for him to step out and use you, for him to do and reveal things in you. So you see, God has your specific ringtone if you're listening. God has your ringtone that's personal to you. And my phone tells me when I put a little list in and in my pocket it starts to ring but shouts out their name. It's specifically, it's them. And it only rings that when they ring me. Somebody I don't know rings, it's just a ringtone. God has a ringtone for you if you're listening. God has personalized that. God knows you. God knows when you pray. God knows when you shout out to him. It's not an unknown prayer. He hears. 
and he wants you to hear in return. He gets you personally, but he gets you personally within the context of his family. You're not isolated, you're an individual. But you're an individual in the context of a gathered group of people. And I think that's the best way to be. See, I don't want to be so unique that I'm isolated and unique and distant from everybody. I want to be unique, but part of everybody. I want to be me as an individual, but an individual that makes up the whole, that's part of this gathered people of God. Because that's how I'm seen by God. Uh, I'm not always the best at hearing or answering God, but I'm getting more accustomed to his ringtone into my life. I'm getting more accustomed to hearing. It might be the song that we were singing on a Sunday morning. It could be something I'm reading. It could be something that somebody says. It could be some encouragement that somebody brings. It could be something that I read. It could be in the Word of God as I'm reading it privately or hearing it spoken from up here. But I'm getting used to the ringtone of God when he speaks into our lives. When he says, hey, Paul, are you listening? It could be that this morning he's saying to you, are you listening? Are you listening? Because God knows every heart here. God knows every soul in this room. He knows the baggage. He knows the history. He knows the joys and the fears. He knows the challenges. He knows what was happening last night. He just knows. And he's still passionate about you. He's still connected. And he's still wanting to ring. He's still wanting a response. What's important is that hearing or not, there are some principles that put us in the place of hearing and responding to God. And that's what I want to learn from Samuel. That's what I want to just unpack a little bit this morning just for us as we look at this fresh experience, this fresh way of living before God, becoming his fresh people. Because I believe God wants to bring a freshness of life into Hope House Church. I think Hope House Church is all right. And two of us agree. I have a, a big friend from Texas that would walk up around and say, I ain't feeling no love now. God wants to do something fresh in this church. Yeah. I really believe it. I believe he wants, to, he wants to be a fresh outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And I know people get freaked out when you talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm really sorry about that, but it's in the Bible. And he says, I will pour out my Holy Spirit on all people. Your young men, your old men, women, all ages... I'm going to pull my Holy Spirit out of them and they're going to dream dreams, they're going to be visions, they're going to be prophetic words, there's going to be healing, there's going to be a move of God because that is the Word of God. And we can't pick and mix the Word of God. We can't say, no, that was the Word of God for 2,000 years ago when Jesus was about with the disciples. It's different now. But all the other stuff that was in the Word of God, we'll have that for now because it's a bit less embarrassing to deal with. No, it's in the Word of God. It is relevant then, it is relevant now, it will always be relevant. So we need the Holy Spirit. We can't pick and mix Scripture. It's either in there or it's not. And as far as I can see, there's a freshness and a life that is in Scripture. And it's brought about by the, the, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit into our lives. By being in His presence where the Holy Spirit is. See, what's important is hearing and responding. Uh, let's understand how we can be responding people in Jesus. Let's grab hold of these values. So serving, presence, and prepared. It says in Galatians chapter 5, it's not going to come up there, but I just want to say to you, hear this. Galatians chapter 5, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Serving. It begins by serving. You as an individual, humbly serving amongst the body of believers. That's our freedom. See, if I'm made to serve, that isn't service. I'm being bullied into doing something. I'm being compelled. It isn't being given freely. But we were set free in Christ. So when I choose to serve, what an amazing gift that is. 
Do you, you understand that? That when we choose to do something, see, if you go to work, you're employed. And you might really enjoy your job, and it might be a job of service where you, you are really blessed and able to help and input into people's lives. You've got lots of people in this room that have got those types of jobs. But you're still employed. It still pays your mortgage. What if you're one of those nutcase Christians that then takes on a load of other work within and around church, serving the people here, serving our wider community, just giving because you can, serving because you've been set free by Christ? How amazing is that? How generous is that? What an act of worship is that? But what a privilege it is to represent Christ and to be like Christ doing that because that's what Jesus did. We haven't invented that. We're not special because of that. Jesus did it first. Jesus gave up everything to serve us. And we're simply emulating him. We have a freedom that enables us to respond and to choose. We can literally proclaim our liberty by serving. You understand that, don't you? You proclaim your liberty in Christ by being on the welcome team. You proclaim your liberty in Christ by doing the coffee. You proclaim your liberty in Christ by cleaning. You proclaim your liberty in Christ by speaking publicly like this. You proclaim your liberty in Christ by simply being a Christian, living that life, loving and serving one another. Gathering together, we proclaim our liberty on a Sunday morning and midweek. We gather, we gather and we say, Christ has set us free. And when we're set free, we are free indeed. That's what we declare every time we gather. That is an amazing thing. And that is living out the character of Christ. Serving prepares our heart and mind. It connects us to the system that makes the calls possible. We connect to the call-carrying service that is the Lord. When we serve in His presence, suddenly we get to hear God. You know, one of the most frustrating things is, I don't go to church, I don't do anything, I'm not involved in anything because I'm waiting to hear God. Well, you know what? If you want to hear God, get involved, come along, start serving, do something, be involved, be around His people, and I promise you this, you'll start to hear God. Your people often live in a kind of bubble and say, can't hear God still. Still can't hear God. Come and be in his people. Just come and be around his people. Get into his word. Be connected with him. Be in his presence. And I promise you this. This is not just a this is not seven hundred and fifty million pounds on the side of a bus. This is an absolute rock solid certainty. Get in his presence and serve amongst his people. You will begin to hear the word of God. You begin to hear a call over your life. You begin to see God moving. In Romania, the first message I got on my phone was, welcome. How good is that? Welcome to Romania. That was really good. And then it said, you are connected and now can connect. That was brilliant. I just got off a plane, pressed a button, and it said, welcome to Romania. You are now connected and now I can connect to others. That's where we need to be. We need to be welcoming people into the place, the presence of God. We need to be welcoming people into church. We need to be carrying out that, that church life and that faith and that living into our wider community and saying, welcome, welcome. You are loved. You are wanted. You are precious. You are connected. And now you can connect. That's why we have it on the side of the building, isn't it? It's checked on some this morning. Um, well, until the storms ripped them off the side of the building. <laughs> We have new banners waiting. We'll put new signs up in the next few days, hopefully, skillful people, um, that say connecting real people to real God in real life. How brilliant is that? That is our heart. Not connecting weird people to a non-existent, distant, hungry God in a kind of artificial Sunday life, but connecting real people like you and me, like our town, to a very real and relevant God in very real life. People lead real lives. I don't want to be a Sunday Christian. I want to be just be me. So that wherever I am, whatever I am, whatever day of the week it is, 
I'm in the presence of God. And that brings me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, a letter written to a small church in the early days of the church uh, in a place called Thessaloniki. You can go there on holiday now if you want to. Um, it's got a beach and things, and it's sunny and nice. Well, there's a storm right now, but it's a great place to be. And this is what was written to that church like 1,900 years ago. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? What he's saying is I'm thanking God because when I'm with you and around you, I'm finding the presence of God. And I'm having joy in God because I am with his people. I have been with you. When I'm with you, when I gather with you, there is the presence of God. This meeting is so important. You know, our midweek connect groups, and we're meeting small groups to to learn together, to care for one another, to encourage one another, but also to to read, to discover scripture, to teach, um, to encourage each other to get through the week, to survive the week sometimes, to be a witness out there, to worship, just to do life together as a smaller part of the family. That is so important because when one or two meet together, there I am, Jesus says in the midst. One or two meet together, and there is Jesus. You know, when one, two, three of us meet together, that is the church. That is the gallant church where he's present. So we need to gather. We need to be in his presence. So we can do that. But to serve, we must be near to those who are serving. We've got, we can't serve if there's nobody, we're not near to you to serve. But look at this verse, the relationship between God's people, those who are connected with Jesus, brings people into God's presence. So somebody walks into this room and there can be such a sense of God's presence as we gather here, or in a home, or an Alpha Course, that a brand new person walking in can say there's something there, there's something different. That can be the presence of God. Hebrews chapter 10, another letter written in the early church, says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hey, I don't want to give up on this. This is a great habit, getting together. Because you know what? Some of these days we're going to meet together like this. Either on a Sunday or a midweek or a prayer meeting. And do you know what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to break out in a powerful way. Something will happen. There will be a healing. There will be a transformation. God will break in and with his purifying fire, God will transform who we are. God will begin to touch us as we have learned to serve and be prepared in his presence. It's about our preparedness. Serving. Sorry, walking away always brings discouragement, while staying and serving always brings fresh encouragement. So just you being here in this room is a massive encouragement. And I just want to say this again this morning as as, as pastor of the church. When I stand here, and at ten past ten, I open my eyes and I turn around, and I'm encouraged by the gathered church. I do it at ten o'clock, and I'm discouraged. (laughs) Because ten o'clock's when we start... So 10 to 10 is when we arrive, if we're on the last push. Because the band have been here since 9 practicing, and the coffee team have been here preparing coffee, the kids' work have been here since the crack of dawn, and the welcome team are all welcome, and the welcome team have all sat down when you arrive at 10 past. Come at 10 o'clock. Just come at 10 o'clock, make me feel good. All right. Is that all right? Put your hand up if you came late this morning. Oh, oh, repent ye now. No, seriously, I am only teasing, by the way, to an extent. (laughs) If you're new to us, you're welcome to come whatever time you like. If you've been around a few years, 
get your bum here for 10 o'clock, all right? <laughs> yeah, but what matters, I'm dead serious. What I want to say to you is, when I do stop and turn around, or I walk into the room, and suddenly there's a crowd of people worshipping God, what an amazing feeling that is. So I look around the room and I see different nationalities, different backgrounds, different economic statuses, different levels of health, different histories, and I just think we've met in Jesus' name. Yeah. All these people have met in Jesus' name. Yeah. How amazing is that? Seriously. We've got all our kids out there and our youth are out there now, but just look around this room. There's so many different nationalities and cultures and backgrounds, and there's one uniting reason we've gathered today, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. How amazing is that? Serving brings his presence. We're serving his presence, there's a preparedness. They're the God principles that run through the word of God then and now. So the phrases that we've read this morning that God spoke when he says, the day approaches, I am doing something. That's the heart of God. I believe that God has placed a call over people's lives in this room. There are people in this room that they kind of know that God has put a call on them but they're not seeing it unraveled. They're not seeing it worked out. I just want to remind you that Samuel had the word of God call on his life as a boy. It was decades later before he anointed David king. The primary thing was to anoint David king for all the other things he did. And he waited decades. But what did he do? He served in the presence of God all those years. And then when the moment came, he was prepared and able to anoint David king. See, you may be waiting for your call to be unveiled. And it may be frustrating. You may be wondering, is it ever going to happen? Am I ever going to be seen? Am I ever going to be recognized? Here's the deal. All you have to do is to serve in the presence of God. And when the moment of God comes in your life, you will be prepared to step in, to step up, to step out. See, maybe you know it. Maybe you know there's that David Samuel kind of call on your life. Hold on to it. Don't lose it know that God hasn't finished yet but be aware of this because Samuel got out of bed as a boy a shepherd boy was released into his God destiny he killed giants and he became king because one small boy was prepared to get out of bed church we've got to be the people that are prepared to get out to get up to stand up this is when true unity living happens because one boy was woken up and faithful. Another boy could defeat giants. That is united living. Your life enables my life. Your service enables my service. The presence of God in your life enables the presence of God in my life. Your being prepared prepares me. That is unity living. The Lord awakens things in us to transform the world around us. We are called... We are called to be those that hear and wake up and those to hear and stand up to giants in our generation. We're called to wake up. Church, Hope House needs to wake up. We need to stand up. There are giants to face. There have been giants this week. We need to have a voice for our generation. We need to have a voice for our nation. We've got a very divided country at the moment, which means we've got a very divided town. This week I went to the gym and I did that thing. Is anybody here a member of a gym? Anybody have got, does that thing where a conversation starts in the changing room and it's like you're the, you're, the, you're the person that's a Christian in the middle and on one side you've got this guy that is so right wing like Hitler would be slightly embarrassed <laughs> and on the other guy you've got this guy that is so 
so carbonite, it was unbelievable. And they're effing and blinding at each other, and they're really going at it, and they're saying and declaring things, and they're criticizing members of the community, and the cr- one guy's criticizing every nationality under the sun and wants to live in a kind of like little local country for local people. And then the other one just kind of wants everything to be given away and every, all the rich people to be shot at dawn. And, <laughs> and then one of them looks to me and says, what do you think? You're a pastor. I said, God will win. And I didn't have anything else to say. I just thought, I know God's going to (laughs) win. Because what do you say? They'd wound themselves up into a frenzy. They were both being ridiculous and provocative. And then the the week before that, I'd gone in the jacuzzi to rest my poor achy legs after a long run. And this guy started talking to me. You're from Barnsley, aren't you? It's full of foreign folk now. Oh, no. I just thought, I've come to relax. So then I had to explain about God's chosen people. And then he's looking at me as if I think he was looking at me. And you could tell he was doing that. I'm in the jacuzzi with the nutter. (laughs) (sighs) Thanks, God. We we, We have to be a voice into our town. We have, and that means you in your sphere of your life. You come here to serve and to be in his presence so you can be prepared. Because where you are matters. Your voice, if you're driving a bus, your voice matters. If you're a nurse, your voice matters. If you're a teacher, your voice matters. If you're entering the bins, your voice matters. If you work in a local shop, your voice matters. You need to be prepared to be sent out. You matter. What you do is critically important. Some of you have jobs of such astonishing influence that touch and change lives. Even if you're not allowed to speak and say something, you get to be Christ's ambassador in that setting. So, you know, it wouldn't be great. You know, we've got ambassadors in the hospital. We've got ambassadors at ASOS. We've got ambassadors at the council. But they're representing Christ first and foremost in that setting. How wonderful is that? A human experience is not a reality. When we respond and get prayed for and don't experience that breakthrough call that we're wanting for, and we don't get it immediately, we're not doing something wrong, we're being prepared. Samuel's being prepared. See, our, faith isn't a moment in time for something. Faith is the position of our heart for someone, for Jesus. This means we can receive what Jesus prayed for, your kingdom come. Jesus prayed your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayer we need to make. That's the prayer we need. So for your work situation, for your street, for your community, you need to be praying your kingdom come in this situation. I've got news for you. It already has. How do I know that his kingdom has already come on earth as it is in heaven at Barnsley Hospital? Put your hand up if you work at Barnsley Hospital. That's why I know his kingdom has come on earth as it is in heaven. Because you're carriers of the kingdom. Put your hand up if you work at ASOS. That's quite a few of you. Your kingdom come. You are kingdom carriers in that setting. So just put yourself in that situation now. If you've got a job, if you're employed, you carry the kingdom. Who has not got a job and has to sign on? Your kingdom come in the unemployment queue, in the doctor's office, wherever it might be. Whatever your job is, whatever you do, wherever you go, wherever you live, you are first and foremost an ambassador of Christ. 
And so we pray your kingdom come in your situation. Your faith isn't for something. Your faith is for someone. He'll provide all you need. So when you're praying, Lord, give me a brand new car, actually, you'd be far better praying, Lord, will you use me the way you want to use me? Will you release me on earth as it is in heaven? And if he needs you to have a car to do that, he'll sort that out, I'm quite sure, or get you a bus pass. What matters is that your faith is for Christ first. Faith works through love, and we have to be rooted and grounded in love. When we live in disappointment and fear rather than in faith, we identify ourselves by what hasn't happened instead of identifying ourselves with what God has declared will happen. Samuel didn't identify himself with, well, where's the, where's the thing that you're doing, God? He identified himself with the Lord, knowing that, that God would have his way, that God would do something. And we need to be those people. We need to identify ourselves with a God that will transform our town. We need to identify ourselves with Jesus that loves Barnsley, that saves lives and transforms people's broken hearts and broken minds, broken emotions and broken relationships. God heals and restores and transforms. God actually says, I make them new creations. We need to be the sort of people that are prepared. See, if we're not living by faith, that leaves us unprepared people with a problem using Jesus as a tool to get help instead of being a people of relationship and love that are serving in his presence and prepared to step out in faith. There's a call in our lives. Can I have the band back up, please? There's a call on our lives. We are not stale, unprepared people. We are prepared people in his presence. Once we were not a people, now you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. There's a call over our lives. It may be unearned, it may be unexpected, it may be undeserved, but the call of God on our lives is completely real. So if you think this morning, you sit there thinking, I haven't earned it, I don't expect it, I don't deserve it, you are right to all of the above. Accept God. Accept God says, I have chosen you. You are mine. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He stands at the foot of your bed and shouts your name. He simply says, will you wake up? Will you wake up? Will you stand up? Okay, I think that was personal for you. Wake up because you've gone back to sleep in bed <laughs> in my sermon how dare you wake up I want to do something in your life so we're going to sing the band are going to lead us and I want to think I want to ask you to think to yourself what is God's ringtone over my life am I prepared to wake up am I prepared to hear am I prepared to stand up what are the giants God is calling me to defeat what is he saying over my life? Am I prepared? Am I prepared because I'm wanting to serve? Am I prepared because I'm wanting to be in his presence? So I'm prepared to hear God when he speaks. Am I prepared to get out of bed when he says my name so that I can say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Am I prepared to step up when the giant comes and not run away and not hide, not pretend I don't know Jesus, but am I prepared to stand up in public, in that public arena, in that place at work or in the cafe or at the gym, wherever I might be and say, but this is who Jesus is and this is what Jesus says. This is the truth of who he is. Am I prepared to do that, even knowing that somebody might look at me and think, I'm in a jacuzzi with an idiot? But the truth is still the truth. And the truth can touch your life. And just maybe one of those occasions when you stand up prepared because you've served in his presence, that will be the breakthrough moment for somebody else's life that brings them into the presence of God. There is a call of God over every person's life. We just have to choose to respond. 
like me this morning that you're not a Christian, you've no idea what I'm talking about, what I want to say to you is, is that Jesus isn't just a distant historical figure, but he's a real, relevant, present person. He's the character of God in our lives now. He's our saviour and redeemer. He's real and relevant for our today situation. Not just history, but our future and our present. And we'd love to introduce you to him this morning so you can begin a long journey called discipleship. So you don't just get saved and that's it. You begin a journey. And we're all on a journey here. So this morning as we worship, as we sing, I want to say to you, maybe there's a God call over your lives. I want to be a little bit brave and a bit risky because I hate doing this in case nobody responds. And then I feel like, oh, maybe I didn't preach it right. But maybe I did. If you feel there's a call of God over your life, and I believe personally I could go to numbers of people and say, I know what, and see the call of God in your life. I just want you to be brave, but against the odds. And I'd love you to come and stand up and face your giant. That giant of being public, that giant of being in his presence before people. Would you serve us and bless us by coming and standing at the front as we sing? Because incredibly, when you do that, you bless others, you serve others, you inspire others. As you declare your call that you believe God is speaking to you in faith, that builds my faith. It builds the faith of those around you. Because God is not done yet in this town. God is not done yet in this place. Surely we'll have a people here. He's calling our name and he asks us to wake up, to stand up, to serve in his presence and be prepared to respond so as the band sing I'm going to encourage you just to declare that call on your life and to come and join us at the front to stand here maybe one or two maybe everybody it doesn't matter let's respond to his call
share what we were talking about on Thursday connect group uh, James 5 and it gets on about prayer and the different types of prayer and one of them is singing and the way I look at worship is that we gather as one it is a prayer, we're singing our prayers as one body and as we sing this song I just want to encourage you, there's power when you sing it together and that whatever struggles you've got when we gather together, we sing it over his circumstances things can happen God can move so I just want to encourage you
Thank you. We praise that your name, that your your power lives in me. Yeah. It, it lives yeah. in Megan. It, it lives in David. It lives in each and every one of us, Lord Jesus. And, and with that, Lord, every giant will fall. There's nothing that can stand in your way. You are so worthy of praise, Lord. And I thank you that your Holy Spirit is moving amongst us, Lord. That you are here now, Lord. And it doesn't end here, Lord. It doesn't end after the Sunday evening service, Lord. You are with us always. Lord, I just pray that through this week, we can just bring a heart of worship to you in everything that we do, yeah. everything that we say, every little conversation, yeah. Lord. Let, let you just be glorified in everything, Lord. Praise your name. Yeah. Amen. Amen. How good, good is our God? Could have said that another way. Um, six o'clock service tonight. We would love to see you. We'd love to chat with you now and get to know you. If it's your first time here, please come and grab any one of us on the stage or uh, or Paul or, or whoever. Um, let's just have some quality time together. Amen.